This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So we continue with Spirit Wars as the theme, the series we're doing. And uh, yo, I don't know how to say it this morning, but uh, I really feel God wants to do something massive in us to awake us to the spirit realities, especially the demonic realities around us. Okay, so I'm going to, I felt the Lord say to me, equip the saints, no holds barred. So I'm going to go places we've probably not gone before, so we're going to be very direct. And uh, so if you're visiting us this morning, and if you don't believe in Jesus, I hope you're going to believe in Jesus at the end of the service. Sometimes when you, I've, uh, I've heard stories of people who were atheists, and then they have near-death experiences where they go to hell, and then they look into the face of evil, and then their spirit comes back to their bodies, and you know what? They become Christian. (laughs) In the face of evil, you will run to Jesus. You know, so sometimes we need to speak about uh, the dark side, and uh, so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to be equipping you to be aware of the spiritual battle raging around us. There's no... uh, Battles happening in the stars, but there's a battle raging for the souls of men and women and children on this, on, on this planet. Okay, so we need to know that, and I really need to equip you so that you can know how to fight this battle. Okay, so, uh, so give me a few stories, and then we're going to get into, I'm going to take you to uh, uh, the persecuted church under communism as well. I'm going to share a few stories, so you need to put your seatbelts on. And your armor, and all of that. So uh, last week, um, we were in, in, in Port Elizabeth, and uh, our church, our pastors there, we, we went to, to go minister there at Shofar Port Elizabeth, and to go pray for them. Now, Darby and Mina, they're the pastors at the church there, and they have, for the last six months, they've had continuous battles with sickness, the whole family. Before the baby came, the, 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 the youngest one is now two months, around two months old, beginning of the year, he was born. And even before that, the three months before that, they had all three of them continuously sick. And then it's more this, and then it's that, and it's, it's like they were three months of suffering before this beginning of this year. And then from January again, it's just chaos. It's colic. And then their baby almost died he had an infection in the lungs, and his heart stopped beating, and they had to resuscitate the child. And the child has been in, 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 in the hospital now for, what, four, four weeks? I think it was four, around four weeks this past weekend already or something. But it, so the first week was really bad, and then he started to get better, and then again the one lung collapsed and then went bad again. And so every time a thing seems to get better, it goes worse. So anyway, so last weekend we were there, and I'm just like, no, I don't want to look, I don't want to see a devil behind every bush, you know, because there's probably two behind every bush, but I'm kidding. But I was like, this is not natural. This is not normal. Something's not right. So we went to the hospital and the, the child, uh, Malachi has been in, in, in ICU basically you know, for four weeks. And I took my little speaker along and we we're in the hospital there in one of the waiting rooms and we were just like worshiping Jesus with him. So and we pray before the time as well, just really contending for, for their freedom and for healing for Malachi. And so, as we were, and so then we laid our hands on Darby and Minna, and, and we prayed, and, and they both said to us, something shifted, something changed. And they both saw the same vision. Now, often we can't see with our physical eyes what's happening in the spirit realm, but sometimes we receive visions or mental pictures, and we actually see something that's happening. But we don't actually know how to explain it. So both of them saw a rope being cut at the same time. They saw this. The one saw it with a scissors. The other one saw it with a sword. And it was a picture of something has been broken. And often, you know, the demonic is, is bondage. It's like chains. It's like ropes binding you, the, the metaphorical picture of something binding us. So, and I, I asked that I, I could, I really felt I needed to pray for Malachi. So we went to ask for special permission to go in and laid hands on Malachi. And it really has been better, but he, I said every week he's, he falls back again. And then it was Saturday last week and 
So with, over the next 24 hours, he didn't have any of the, of the problems he's ha- been having, so they could remove all the piping within the next 24 hours. And uh, yesterday morning, they went home. Hallelujah. Amen. So praise God. But I, I, I knew there was a spiritual, because we're doing everything in the natural. Everything in the natural. I knew there was something spiritual. And so I want to awaken us to the spiritual realities behind the natural. Otherwise, you won't be effective. Then the enemy will take you apart. So uh, I, I, I would have, should have known that doing this series that I would have a bit of fun. So anyway, so I have I've been having a bit of fun. So yesterday morning around 5 o'clock, I was dreaming. And in this dream, I was seeing, I was just this dark something on the left of me in this dream. And the next moment, the thing jumped on me. You know, and I remember in this dream, and even, I wasn't sure if it's dreaming or it's in the natural, but I was like, I couldn't speak. I was like, ah, ah. and I was like, I want to just wanted to say Jesus. So I was like, ah. it's coming, it's coming, I know it's coming. Just give me a moment, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. it's coming. It's coming, it's coming. At some point, Jesus, and then it, it just it let, let, let go of me. And so anyway, I was up at five, my, my demonic alarm clock, wonderful. So uh went to pray a bit, and again, I was sitting in my prayer chair, and uh, just praying, I felt, again, there's something here on my left, again, that thing I wants to, so some, I was praying and worshiping, and at some point, I was just like, you, go away now in Jesus' name, and then, whew, it was gone, had a lovely day, and uh, so later in the morning, some, one of our members in church um, contacted us, um, the lady has been battling with, with pains, significant pains in her body, stuff, something that's... That, so anyway, so from Friday and Saturday, she was in bed because of this unbearable pain in her body. And uh, so anyway, so I went and yesterday afternoon, went to pray for her. Her uh, husband was there, prayed with her. And uh, as we were praying, we picked up, now this is a spiritual thing. Do you know how I know this? Because the pain was moving around. So you pray for somebody, so it's medically impossible for a condition to be moving around. So it moved from the one side part of the body to another part of the body to another part of the body. So my normal thing, I say, hit yo, cut first. Hit yo. <laughs> Got you. It's a spiritual, something spiritual that's causing the physical pain. So we prayed into a few things, dealt with a few open doors in her life. She repented, brought it before the Lord. And then, boom, no pain. The physical pain gone after two days in bed. Couldn't get out of bed because of the physical pain, and it's gone. Amen. So there's a connection. You are a soul and a spirit and a a physical body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a physical body, and all three are connected. And sometimes we're trying to fight something in the natural, but it's actually a spiritual, something spiritual. Okay, so I want to equip you. And I specifically want this morning, yeah, it's been tough for me this week. I've been reading this book called Tortured for Christ by Richard Wimbrand. He was a pastor under communist Romania, and he was tortured um, for his faith. I've been reading the story, and it's just been rocking my world. So I want to I share with you a bit of that story. I want to share a few stories of their journey. You know, I feel the Lord is saying, um, we are a nice church, and he wants us to become a powerful church. Charles Spurgeon said, you know, you get a brand of Christians, he calls them chocolates. They're very sweet until the heat is on. Then they melt. (laughs) Chocolate Christians. You know, and I was... I was reading this book and it was just absolutely rocking my world because I was, I was confronted with a brand of Christianity that we do not know in the West. And I was confronted with this fact that I think that is the real Christianity and this is not. So it, it, it's, it's just really been rocking me in terms of God. What do I do with this? So I want to, I'm trusting that you're going to be rocked a little bit this morning as well. Shaken, shaken on the inside. 
So uh, I want to share you a few quotes from him. So he, was, he, he said what the communists, this, this, this pastor, he wrote this book, and he said what the communists have done to Christians surpasses any possibility of human understanding. I have seen communists whose faces, while torturing believers, shone with rapturous joy. They cried out while torturing the Christians, we are the devil. You see, and he's saying we, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers behind people that do horrendous things. He says, we saw that communism is not from men, but from the devil. It's a spiritual force, a force of evil, and can only be countered by a greater spiritual force, the Spirit of God. You see, ideas influence the world. Ideas influence the world, and there's these underlying principles or ideas. If they are false, they create systems like communism, systems that in the end, lead to, under communism, more than 100 million people were killed in one cent- less than a century. That's without the starvation. That's without the wars. That's just people slaughtering their own people. It is horrific. I mean, how, how can you imagine 100 million? We have no way of understanding how bad that is. But the underlying principle is there is no God. And even worse, as I've been reading, some of the leaders did believe in God, but they hated God. They had an agenda against God, and that's why they persecuted Christians so badly. I'll, I'll share about that in a moment. But he says, he, I often ask the torturers, don't you have pity in your hearts? And they usually answer with quotations from Lenin, the original communist leader. He said, you cannot make omelets without breaking the shells of eggs, and you cannot cut wood without making chips fly. I said again, I know those, these quotations from Lenin, but there's a difference. When you cut a piece of wood, it feels nothing, but here you are dealing with human beings. Every beating produces pain, and they are mothers who weep. It was in vain. They are materialists. For them, nothing besides matter exists, and to them, a man is like wood, like an eggshell. And with this belief, they sink to unthinkable depths of cruelty. The cruelty of atheism is hard to believe. When a man has no faith in the reward of good or the punishment of evil, there is no reason to be human. There is no restraint from the depths of evil that is in a man. And so he quotes some of the torturers and he says, they said, there is no God, no hereafter, no punishment for evil. We can do what we wish. I heard one torturer say, I thank God in whom I don't believe that I have lived to this hour when I can express all the evil in my heart. And he expressed it in unbelievable brutality, in torturing, in torture inflicted on prisoners. Okay, so why are we talking about this? I actually wanted to use a quote from Sun Tzu, the art of war, classic uh, Chinese military strategist about how if we want to be able to fight effectively, we need this. And he says, we need to answer this question. It's about knowing the enemy and self. It says there, one who knows the enemy and knows himself will not be in danger in a hundred battles. One who does not know the enemy but knows himself will sometimes win, sometimes lose. I think there's a whole lot of Christians in that, in that, on that area. And then thirdly, one who does not know the enemy and does not know himself will be in danger in every battle. So the Bible actually says, do not be ignorant of the schemes of the enemy. And so I've been taking this look at like evil incarnate through this communistic persecution of believers. And in the midst of that, I've seen the light of Christ. Like I, I, I've just, I just haven't seen it like this before. It is, it's like when, when, in deep darkness, the light just shines so much clearer, so much brighter. Oh, I have so much respect for the, the saints who've gone through, gone through all, of, all of the stuff that they've gone through. Okay, so I want to ask you this question. I'm, I'm quoting Jesus, and I'll use that scripture a little bit later. The enemy is coming. Are you ready? The devil is going to knock on your door. Will you be ready for when he comes and knocks? Now, you and I might never be tormented or persecuted like these guys have been, but the enemy is going to knock. He's going to come and knock. Are you ready? Do you have the tools? Or does he have an access into your soul and into your life to bring destruction? You see, this is um, uh, the, the... 
I'll, I'll probably read that in a, in, a, in a moment as well. But there's the, the, the enemy doesn't want to kill you. He wants to corrupt you. He wants to get you to blaspheme the name of Christ. That's what he wants to get you to. Okay, but I'll, I'll share that in a moment. Okay, I'm, I know we have uh, the, the in thing these days are origin movies. So we have Captain America, but where does he come from? Then you have the origin movie, Captain America or Iron Man or whatever. Then we figure out, we find out where the powers come from and the original passion to see justice come or whatever. But the origin movie gives us a bit of context for these characters. Now, in the Bible, we have a few origin stories. So I want to give you the origin story of the devil. Where does, where does evil come from? Where does Satan come from? Revelation 12, verses 7 to 9, and it's the story of the original rebel. And it says, and war. Now, there's a book of Revelation, but it's actually looking back in time, or rather into eternity, to give us a glimpse of where evil comes from. And it says, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought. Okay, so Michael, one of the archangels, we believe we can deduce from the scriptures. We believe they are basically three archangels. Lucifer was one of the three. So you have probably Michael, Gabriel, and that's, we, we making a few assumptions there, but that's what we, we think, or theologians think. So Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. Okay, come on, let's say a dragon. Dragon, okay? And the dragon and his angels fought. That's Lucifer and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. So there was a revolt in heaven. The war broke in the kingdom of heaven, and angels fought against one another. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old, that snake, called the devil and Satan, and Satan is the one who opposes God. His mission is to oppose God. That's what the word Satan means. And who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Okay, so to give you some context, God is uncreated, never created, always been. He made the spirit realm heaven. He created his angels. And then some of, then his, one of his main angels became, Lucifer became corrupt, became proud, became evil. And he was so seductive, so persuasive that he could lead astray a third of the angels in heaven. This is massive. Okay, so these guys, these angels, they know God. I mean, they see God. They see his glory. And somehow this creature... Lucifer, Satan, is so seductive and so deceiving that he could get a third of the angels to follow him into war. So Lucifer or Satan is the original rebel. The original rebel that wants to cause chaos and destruction. Now, I, I asked this question, so, you know, so, so what basically happened is, so, 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 Lucifer or then became Satan, was cast down to the earth. His demonic spirits, or his, the angels were cast down, a third of the angels. So the good news for every false fallen angel, there's two real angels. Hallelujah. And then, they, so they were cast down, and they became fallen angels, and what we believe, they become demonic spirits. Okay? And they have one thing on their hearts. They hate God. They want to do revenge on God, the Almighty. And because they hate God, they hate mankind. Why? Because you and I are made in the image of God. So when, they, when the enemy sees you and me, he sees a picture of God and he says, I hate it. I want to destroy it. He wants to wipe the image of God out of the earth. So he wants to make us in his own image. He wants to make us bitter and angry and negative and unbelieving and hopeless and despairing and dark and evil. That's his plan. And God wants to release his image into our lives. Love and peace and joy and forgiveness. Doesn't matter what people do to us. So the devil is the original rebel. So quickly, a few of his strategies. One of his strategies is he, he changes the definition of something so that he can destroy it. He changes the definition so that he can destroy it. Also, he calls what is good, 
bad and what is evil, he calls good. He flips it around. Okay, in the occult world, they always flip things around. They turn things around because that's their nature. They, everything that is good, they might want to make it bad. So think about this for a moment. A baby. Can you kill a baby? No, the laws of the land protects a baby. But what if the baby is not a baby? It's just a fetus. Baby in the womb? No, it's just a fetus. It's not a baby. You can kill it. Just a blob of cells. Goodbye. Do you see it? That's the strategy. Just it's not human. It's not a baby. I mean, who in their right minds want to kill a baby that's just come out of the womb? No one. It's a baby. It's protected by the laws of the land. But somehow, if you just move it a little bit, uh, way back, you can kill it because it's just an it. It's not human. It doesn't need to be protected anymore. You know, so that's how the enemy works. He changes the definition of what something is, and he does that over and over again. Same words, baby, but that's not a baby. And then we can destroy it. Millions and millions of babies are being destroyed all over the earth, and the devil is loving it. He loves the slaughter of innocence. He does. That's the truth. So he's the original rebel, and what he does is he, he makes rebellion look cool. Because the image of a rebel, you think rebel, yes, your bike, your leathers, your rebel. You know, so cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's Christians. Those people who listen to others actually, you're so boring, man. What's wrong with you? Come on, get some bit of life, rebel. Come on, revolution. The original rebel was Lucifer and those, and he loves rebels. He absolutely loves rebels. He loves those who fight against authority, those who want to bring revolution and destruction. And we look at communism. It was all about revolution. They killed 100 million plus people. Because we're rebels. But there's another spirit behind it. Okay, so you need to understand how the enemy works. Look at this. Vladimir Lenin, he was the the man um, who caused Russia to become a one-party communist state. When he was 16 years old, his dad died, and then he renounced his faith in God. Now look at what is one, how, how, how good is turned into evil. He says, Lenin wrote, every Religious idea, every idea of God, even flirting with the idea of God is unutterable vileness of the most dangerous kind, contagion of the most abominable kind. Millions of sins, filthy deeds, acts of violence, and physical contagion are far less dangerous than the subtle spiritual idea of a God. What the heck? Is that? So, I mean, if you're an atheist, just leave the rest alone, man. If they want to believe, let them believe. But you see, it wasn't an atheism. It was an, a persecution of the very image of God. And therefore, the persecution of believers. They say these guys, and as I said, unbelievable, indescribable atrocities were committed. And they say it was worse than Nazism. Worse than the mafia, because the mafia has actually a code of honor. You know, when you go to kill somebody, you kill the guy, you leave his wife, you leave his kids. They've got an honor code. Nazism, they just killed everybody. Communism, they don't want to kill you, they want to torture you. And they want to use your kids against you. They want to take your kids away. They want to corrupt your kids. Now listen to the scheme of the enemy. They, they, everybody can go to church, but the young people can't go to church under, in a communist nation. You're only allowed to preach certain things. And what they also do is they want to corrupt the leadership so they get the leaders to be the informants. So the leaders, the, the shepherds of the flock who are supposed to protect and lay down their lives for the flock are the men who expose, hey, that guy's really on fire for Jesus. So he tells somebody and they come and take him and they take him away. Isn't that horrific? The carnage that they caused, they destroyed the church, the normal church, the underground church started to flourish, but the, the normal church was absolutely, absolutely destroyed. Listen to this. The communists, I want, I'm, I'm sharing this because I want you to show you, I want to show you there's real evil in the world and that evil works through people. The communist had explained to him and others, if we kill you Christians, you go to heaven. But we don't want you to be crowned martyrs. You should curse God first and then go to hell. Isn't that horrific? So we're going to torture you. 
We're going to give you punishment until you are insane in your mind and, uh, and curse the name of God. Okay, so I want to share this one story. This is a horrific story, so you need to close your ears if you are a sensitive listener. A pastor by the name of Florescu was tortured with red-hot iron pokers and with knives. He was beaten very badly. Then starving rats were driven into his cell through a large pipe. He could not sleep because he had to defend himself all the time. If he rested a moment, the rats would attack him. He was forced to stand for two weeks, day and night. The communists wished to compel him to betray his brethren. Listen to that. They wished to compel him to betray his brethren, but he resisted steadfastly. Eventually, they brought his 14-year-old son to the prison and began to whip the boy in front of his father, saying that they would continue to beat him until the pastor said what they wished him to say. The poor man was half mad. He bore it as long as he could. Then he cried to his son and he said, Alexander, I must say what they want. I can't bear you beat your beating anymore. The son answered, Father, don't do me the injustice of having a traitor as a parent. Withstand. If they kill me, I will die with the words Jesus and my fatherland. The communists enraged fell upon the child and beat him to death. Blood spattered over the walls. He died praising God. Our dear brother Floresco was never the same after seeing this. Now, it's a horrible story. It's evil incarnate because they want to corrupt the parents. But can you see it? The, the 14-year-old son is saying to dad, dad, stand. Don't sell us out. I know it's an extreme example, but I say to you, the enemy this day wants you and me to sell out. He wants us to compromise. He wants to corrupt us. He wants to say lying and a little bit of stealing, a little bit of deception is okay. It's okay to compromise. It is not. These guys had to take a stand. So I'm I'm looking at this and I'm like, Lord Jesus. You know, so the enemy wants to wear us down, even as he did with that guy, like two weeks that he cannot stand, that he cannot sleep, or that he cannot sleep. And so the enemy wants to wear you down. He wants to just keep on assaulting your soul with challenges and crises and whatever else, so that you can't find rest for your soul until when the temptation comes. It's, it leads to compromise. It leads to betrayal. It leads to giving in to the schemes of the enemy. You know, even with this, I can just imagine that the enemy is like, come on, little Christian, now hate that torturer, hate, despise, curse. I mean, they share stories how after someone was beaten, they would come and, and, and be, be thrown into the cell with the rest of the prisoners, and then all the unbelieving prisoners would start cursing and cussing the communists, and then the guy that was just being tortured would say, stop it, I want to pray for them. I want to pray for them. I want to see them come to Christ. Ah, oh, I'm thinking, Lord, where are we? You know, so the enemy is coming. The temptation is coming. The knocking on our doors is coming. Will we stand? Listen to this. It's so powerful. It reveals to me, and I want us to evaluate our hearts. What are the stuff that we are complaining about? What are the stuff that we get offended about? What are the stuff that we feel sorry for ourselves about? And listening to this, he says, I am very sorry if a crocodile eats a man, but I can't reproach the crocodile. He's not a moral being. So no reproaches can be made to the communists. Communism has destroyed any moral sense in them. They boasted that they had no pity in their hearts. Now listen to this. This should be on the screen as well. He says, I learned from them. I learned from them. As they allowed no place for Jesus in their hearts. I decided I would leave not the smallest place for Satan in mine. Isn't that amazing? I would leave no place for Satan in mine. The enemy comes in when he, when he assaults our souls and we become bitter and angry and negative and unforgiving people. Then the enemy comes in to mess with us. So he said, I decided I would not leave the smallest place for Satan in mind. I love that. They're so powerful. Okay, so how do we overcome? 
How do we overcome the enemy? Revelation 12. So the, the enemy has come down. How do we deal with, how do we, how do we overcome his schemes? It says in verse 10, Revelation 12, verse 10. Then I heard, I, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation. Come on, let's say it. Now salvation. And strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So the enemies come down. But now is the time of salvation. Now is the time to see the power of our Christ. The church under communist countries, the underground church, has been the most fiery, committed, and uncompromising church the world has ever known. And when I look at that, and then when I look at us, when I look at myself, I'm like, Jesus, please forgive us. How far have we fallen? See, let me, I'll, I'll read that now in a moment, but verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. When I look at these persecuted Christians, I see this. They overcame by the blood of the lamb. Why the blood of the lamb? Even as I said last time, two weeks ago, the occultists, they need to slaughter a chicken or worse to get access to demonic powers. And it reveals to us the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Gives us access to, the, to Christ, to the kingdom of God. The power of the blood is powerful. Come on, let's say it. The power of the blood is powerful. Amen. The power of the blood of Jesus is powerful. It is powerful. He is powerful and he won it for us. So the one way of overcoming is the blood. Then secondly, the word of their testimony. And thirdly, they did not love their lives unto death. They did not love their lives to the death. This is so powerful. Now look at this. How did they overcome? They weren't afraid to die. They weren't focused on self. They weren't just thinking about how can I save myself. They were thinking about how can I give my life to Christ. So look at this, John 14, 30. This is where Jesus, with the enemy, he speaks about this. He says, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. Listen to that. The ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. This is Jesus. He's about to go to the cross He's about to give his life for the cause of God. And he says, I know evil is coming. The devil himself is coming. He has nothing in me. He's nothing in me. And therefore I will. And he says there, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandments, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. He says, but that the world may know that I love the Father. So Jesus was saying, I love God, my Father, so much. I love Him more than my own life, so I'm going to do His will. Are you seeing that in that scripture? It says, I love God, therefore I'm going to do His will. I'm even going to go to the cross. I believe the biggest tragedy we are seeing in our world at this time is that the very gospel of Jesus Christ has been distorted and perverted into a selfish me and myself, gospel. The cross has been removed. Yes, Jesus died for us, but we forget that he calls us to die with him. If it's not physical, it is in laying down our stuff. And you need to hear me. I know some of the stories is traumatic. I was like, should I, should I not share this? But I really feel, how can we sit in our little bubbles, not aware of what is happening in the world, and we're not aware of what the real gospel looks like. The real gospel is about Christ and the cross. The real gospel is Christ and sacrifice for his cause. The real gospel is Jesus suffered for me, and I am willing to pay a price for him. I love him that much. That is the real gospel. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to be blessed. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to prosper in life. But there's something more. There's, there's like the enemy wants to twist the, the essence to remove the heart of the gospel out. 
And then we sit with this. I promise you the gospel in the Western church is a, is, is a caricature of the real deal. Where it becomes just me. My, my comfort, my life. I want to be successful. I'm adding little Jesus to my life. And when I look at, the, at these guys and how they paid the price, it is, it is horrific. When I see the real gospel, I look at this Paul in Galatians 1. He says, verse 6, he was fighting in the book of Galatians. He was fighting for the real gospel. He was like, guys, I paid a price for you. Jesus paid a price for you. Don't turn away. He says there, I marvel that you, have, you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Come on, let's say a different gospel. A different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you who want to pervert. You see, they, the distortion, pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. You see how strong he feels about it? If anybody comes and he preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. No, no, not the, 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 only the real gospel. How do you know what the real gospel is? You need to see the real gospel in life, in, 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 in reality. It's like, how do you know what a, 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 a false diamond is? You need to look at the real diamond. And then you see, oh, okay, there's something wrong here. If I'm seeing the real deal, now that's, that's something wrong. Now, I'm reading about the, 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 the persecuted church, and I'm seeing the real gospel in action. And then I'm like, God, forgive me. So I'm not preaching to you now. I'm preaching to myself. I'm saying, Lord, I have, I have missed this. So, for instance, one of the things they do in, in these prisons, they, they are not allowed to preach. So the guy said, okay, because we, we, we overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony, and we did not love our lives unto death. That's how you overcome evil. That's when the enemy has nothing in you. He can't do anything to you. But the second one, the word of their testimony is so powerful. He says, um, he says a number, it, it was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners as it is in captive nations today. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching. So we accepted their terms. This was the deal. We preached, they beat us. We were happy preaching, they were happy beating, happy beating us, so everyone was happy. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? So everyone was happy. He says, the following scene happened more times than I can remember. A brother was preaching to the other prisoners when the guard suddenly burst in, surprising him halfway through the phrase. They hauled him down the corridor to their beating room. After what seemed an endless beating, they brought him back and threw him bloody and bruised on the prison floor. Slowly, he picked up his battered body, painfully straightened his clothing and said, Now, brethren, where did I leave off when I was interrupted? And he continued his gospel message. <laughs> I read that and I'm like, Lord, and what about us? We battle to tell somebody about Jesus. Because we're going to look stupid or we don't want to be uncomfortable. And I'm like, oh my God, what are we doing? He says, persecution has always produced a better Christian, a witnessing Christian, a soul winning Christian. Communist persecution has backfired and produced serious dedicated Christians such as are rarely seen in free lands. These people cannot understand how anyone can be a Christian and not want to win every soul they meet. They cannot understand because they know when they tell somebody about Jesus on the streets or give them a pamphlet, they could go to jail and be tortured and go through all of that. They know even in the prison that if I now tell, I'm going to talk to you, but I'm going to be beaten up for, my, for, for, for just speaking. Are you seeing the difference 
between what I believe is the, the whole deal, the real gospel. I know it's extreme examples. And I know it's not our context. But I'm like, God, we, 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 we are so far away from the real deal, myself included. I preach the gospel year in church. How often do I just tell everybody wherever I go? No, I don't. Sometimes I do, but I don't. I'm not, I'm not that passionate. I'm not like, oh, I'm more like, oh, it's uncomfortable. I'm not, I'm not in the mood now. I'm going to read my book or read the Bible. But there's a guy sitting next to me on the airplane, and he could die this week. And I, I need to tell him. These Christians would have, you know. And I'm not saying this to condemn us. I just want to say, show us that. There needs to come change if we want to be real Christians, real believers, real followers of Christ that live for the glory of God. Our, our Christianity has been watered down, and I'm, I'm convicted this week. I've been sitting at home just weeping before God and saying, Lord, we need to put the cross back into the gospel. We need to preach the real deal. You see, even as the enemy has come into the communist world to, to corrupt church leaders, the, most of us, our biggest struggle, our biggest for most of us, is the fear of man. I just so want to be popular. I so don't want to look like a fool. I so don't want to look my colleague to think I'm an idiot. I so don't want my family to think I'm stupid. I so don't want to, to not look good. And these guys was like, God, No. We, we, we're willing to be beaten, we're willing to lose, we're willing, willing to sacrifice, we're willing to lay down our lives for Christ. You know? So I don't have the solution yet. <laughs> I just know that there needs to be a change. There needs to be a change in us. So how about the whole thing about overcoming? We overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives unto death. You know, see, when we love our lives, it's about, you know, I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about the future of the country. I'm worried about my children. I'm worried about all these things. And those worries begin to control my life compared to the kingdom of God consuming my life. My love for Christ consuming my life. So I want to, as I'm shining the lights, I'm trusting for a shift to happen on the inside of us. And maybe you hear this morning thinking, this is nuts, never coming back to this church. And that's also okay. Because I need to make a decision. Am I going to be obedient to Jesus Christ and preach the real gospel, or am I going to try and be successful? Because you can look successful in the eyes of man, and you are looking horrible in the sight of God. Or you can look like a complete, utter failure in the realm of, of people and yet be so successful in the eyes of God. Even with the Apostle Paul, he was beaten so many times, so many persecuted. And then he said, there was these other apostles. Now he wrote to the Corinthians. And, said, and so you would listen to the super apostles. Yeah, they're not getting persecuted. Yes, they're making probably a lot of money. They're looking awesome. And yes, you want to look awesome. But I tell you, this is the real deal. That was he was trying to communicate to them. This is the real deal. But you're not listening to others because you don't understand the real deal. And our Western Christianity is, is fraught with super apostles. Men of God with the big cars and the money and the stuff. Looking successful with the people with thousands in their churches. Yes, the gospel's being preached. Is it? That's what I'm wrestling with. Is it? Jesus, is it? Oh, we're just adding a little bit to our lives so we can be happy. And then the kingdom of God doesn't come. So I'm wrestling with this. So the last story. So their son was nine years old when both parents went to, to prison. Listen to this. I really want you to get this. He says, my son was left to wander on the streets when his mother and father were taken away. His name was Mi'ai. Mi'ai had been very religious from childhood and very interested in matters of faith. At the age of nine, at the age of nine, when his parents were taken away from him, he passed through a crisis in his Christian life. He became bitter and questioned all of his religion. He had problems that children usually don't have at this age. He had to think about earning his living. 
It was a crime to help families of Christian martyrs. So under Stalin, they made a decision. If anybody helps the, the, the Christians and the families, they will go to prison. They will be beaten. They will be messed up. It was just a horrible system. It was a crime to help families of Christian martyrs. Two ladies who helped him were arrested and beaten so badly that they were permanently crippled. A lady who risked her life and took Mi'ai into her house was sentenced to eight years in prison for the crime of having helped families of prisoners. All of her teeth were kicked out. Her bones were broken. She will never be able to work again. She too will be a cripple for life. Isn't that horrific? At the age of 11, Mihai began to earn his living as a regular worker. Suffering had produced a wavering in his faith. But after two years of Sabina, his wife's imprisonment, he was allowed to see her. He went to the communist prison and saw his mother behind iron bars. She was dirty. Thin, with calloused hands, wearing the shabby uniform of a, of a prisoner. He scarcely recognized her. Her first words were, what would, you say, what would you think would be the first words of a mom who hasn't seen her child for two years? Her first words were, Mihai, believe in Jesus. The guards, in a savage rage, pulled her away from Mihai and took her out. Mihai wept, seeing his mother dragged away. So what do you think would be the result in that child's life? What would be the consequences? Would you imagine that that was the moment he was converted? The moment he committed his life to Christ and he stood for Christ for all his days. He said... He knew that if Christ can be loved under such circumstances, he surely is the true Savior. He said afterward, if Christianity had no other arguments in its favor than the fact that my mother believes in it, this is enough for me. This was the day he fully accepted Christ, and he took multiple stands for Jesus in the years to come. In school, in college, he was chucked out many times. In the middle of these meetings, he would get up with a professor, whoever, and he'd say, this is not true, when they would preach the atheistic stuff. He would take a stand. So I'm like, whoa. You know, I was just weeping this week, reading, I'm thinking of my own son who's nine and going through something like that. And then I'm asking myself, what is our greatest passion in life, parents? What is our greatest passion? Would we, would we say that? Would we even at this time for our own children preach the gospel to them and say, hey, like with our son, Vian, believe in Jesus. Because the enemy is out to corrupt and to steal the hearts of our kids. And yes, you can say, I'm melodramatic, but I tell you, there's a real heaven, there's a real hell. And if you walk away from Christ, you are lost forever. It is real. But the enemy has sold this lie to us that he's not very real. And there is no hell. And there is. And I believe God wants to move, work in us. As parents, as, as individuals, to have to again be stirred by the reality of eternity. To again be stirred by the reality of heaven and hell. We, we breathe our last here. We go to eternity. What about the people around us? The only way the enemy will have no access to our lives is if we are wholeheartedly, completely sold out to Christ. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony, not being afraid to share our testimony, to share what Jesus has done in our lives. And then thirdly, not love our lives unto death. Challenging? Yes, I know. Freaks me out. Freaks me out. I'm praying to God, change this. Let us not lose our children. Let us not lose. Let us not, let us not be a lukewarm Christianity. The devil is not afraid of a thousand lukewarm churches. He's not afraid. But he's terrified of a church that is on fire for God, where the real gospel is preached, undeniably cross-centered gospel, where the people are willing to lay down their lives because they know life is short, eternity is coming. The devil's going to come knock on my door, but he has nothing in me. 
So I'm, I'm making my psalms. I'm saying, God, I'm willing to be unsuccessful in the eyes of people. But I want to be successful in your eyes. I know I'm taking a risk this morning when I share these horrific things with you. They're like, oh, never coming back to this church. That's okay. I'm willing to be obedient to what I feel God is saying to me and offend a few people compared to preaching the tickle your ears gospel and the kingdom doesn't come. People are dying and we can reach them. You can reach them. So even if I'm speaking over your head this morning, just take it to God in prayer and allow him to just work in you. So he shares this last, last story that just rocks me in terms of love, love of God. He says he was in solitary confinement for years. And he says in solitary confinement, we could not pray as before. We were unimaginably hungry. We had been drugged until we acted like idiots. We were weak as skeletons. The Lord's prayer was much too long for us. We could not concentrate enough to say it. They couldn't even say the Lord's prayer. My only prayer repeated again and again was, Jesus, I love you. (laughs) Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Imagine that. Imagine the only thing you could say, you couldn't think straight, I couldn't, they were so drugged, so messed up, so tired, but all they could say is, Jesus, I love you. And he shares stories of when he would say at times, Jesus, I love you, then he would hear the voice of Jesus speaking back saying, you love me? I love you. And then the Holy God would pick him up. He would, he would go to a place of glory in the spirit that was just mind-boggling. He says even when they were beaten and things, it was like they were in this place with Jesus, this awesome, wonderful place in the spirit that, that didn't break them, it didn't steal their faith, didn't cause them to turn away from Christ. Hallelujah. So this is my prayer. This is my prayer. Jesus, may we become the embodiment of the real deal. May we become a people that love Jesus so well that we would truly live for him. Do you want to close the door to to, to evil in your life? You solve a hundred different problems in your life with just one thing, making Jesus Number one, you solve a massive amount of things by making Jesus number one. And this is my prayer to you, for you, for us. This is my standing before Jesus and God. One day when I'm going to stand before you, I'm going to say, I preached it, Lord, I said it. I said it. Not popular, but I said it. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.